Welcome one, welcome all to ESPN Esports. This is Search and Destroy, our weekly ESPN Esports Call of Duty League program every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern right here on Twitch, on Twitter, YouTube, and the ESPN app. We have world champions and we have so much more to discuss. It has been a roller coaster ride these last few days. And as you can see, the consensus greatest Call of Duty League player of all time is joining us right now. Ask anybody who the best COD competitive player is. He will say the person below us right now on screen. Ian, Ian Crimsix Porter has cemented his legacy with his third world championship, the Dallas Empire, getting it done this past weekend. And then there's a lot more to unpack after that. But let's start with the world championships, E6. How's it going, guys? How are you? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's uh, a relaxing... It's not really relaxing, but I mean, it, it, we're just, I guess you could say we're just tired from, uh, you know, all the time and effort that we put in in the last at least month. So uh, it's just kind of weird, you know, not really <laughs> having anything to do other than a bunch of interviews and, uh, you know, just uh, just hanging out. So it's it, it's been good. But, you know, obviously with the news on Monday. Uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough too. Well, take us take us back to. I mean, we we've heard a lot of things in terms of when people first started hearing about four v four, how teams were digesting it. Like, when was the first time you actually heard about this? Uh, about a month and a half ago, and yeah, I think it was decided like a month and a half ago, and a lot of sorry, a lot of owners didn't you know, relay that information to their players for obvious reasons. Um, but I don't know why they, one, they shouldn't have had that vote that early uh, because there's no way to keep that, something like that a secret. And, you know, obviously people, it's going to affect players. It's going to affect teams. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it sucked. It sucked that I would rather have it come out of nowhere than, than have it happen, you know, the way it did. So. Uh, it's just that that premeditated thought of, you know, what's going to happen next year. Uh, even though, we, you know, our the biggest job, our biggest tournament was still yet to come uh, for this current year. So that that's honestly what everyone was thinking, I would say, the month leading up into Champs. So you... Uh... You guys knew about it. We've heard from from Clay and other people. But what, yeah. like, how did the when? Do you know when exactly the vote took place and who voted on it? Was it? It was well, just team ownership. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, again, it like uh, I remember tweeting it out, right? And it's and it's how you define like voting. It wasn't like everyone mm. got together and like as a group. I mean, to, this is all to my understanding. Uh, it was. It wasn't like everyone got together and was like, "Yeah, let's uh, raise your hand if you want five v five. Raise your hand if you want four v four. It was. I don't think it was like that. I think it was like uh, each each owner was contacted, or organization was contacted, uh, and, and was pretty much like, "Do you like which one do you prefer? And give me your reasons why." And and it was like a. It was probably phrased as like a prefer, not like a hey, mm -hmm. we're 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 making a change next year, like what do you think about this? I don't, I don't, it probably wasn't done like that, but I bet you the overwhelming majority uh, was one of the reasons why it probably went 4v4. So 
or, or at least made them con- seriously consider changing. So, okay. So this was a month and a half out. You still yep. have playoffs to worry about. You still have a season to worry about. Yep. Like, take me through even the initial reactions. Like, did you talk to the team about this? Did you push it, push it to the side? How did you handle it? Uh, you, so I found out and immediately told my team because I knew that out of any team in the league that we were most like a team, like we were most like a mm-hmm. unit. Um, and just knowing the personalities and you know, the character or the, you know, the characteristics of everyone on the team that we would probably be able to handle this information better than any team in the league. So, um, yeah, no, it was obviously, I mean, when I heard it first, I was like, like, damn, that, like, that sucks, you know? And at the end of the day, like the game does play 4v4 better. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, if you were to ask me, like, on a game like Black Ops 4, like, those maps were not, in my opinion, were probably not even playable 4v4. But I'm really hoping that the next game has maps catered to 4v4 and not 5v5, so a little bit smaller, a little bit more condensed. Uh, and I think that that will really determine whether the gameplay is better or not. Because, like, honestly, you look at maps like uh, on Call of Duty Ghost, and I, I think a lot of people probably haven't even considered this but that game probably would have played better 5v5 i mean there's just huge open lanes there was just it it, like a game like that felt like there's a lot of space on the map um and i mean that that's just my opinion so i i really think that it's going to come down to uh the the overall maps in terms of what is going to play better 4v4 or 5v5 so do you know how, because like one thing that, and again, COD is incredibly unique with this because not yeah. only do you have to deal with one developer, but you have to deal with several and they mm-hmm. all communicate with players and ownership completely differently, uh, sometimes not at all. But I think yeah. uh, I, what I was wondering is how much like communication do you think happened between or has happened, if you know, between Treyarch and the actual league or Treyarch and players? Probably a lot. Okay. I would say probably a lot. I, I don't know for certain, I, you know, but it it had to have, it was probably Treyarch that proposed, you know, like, hey, we got small maps. Do you want to do 4v? Do you want to see if they want to do 4v4? You know, and uh, I mean, the fans have been asking for it. I think that everyone's wanted 4v4, like, especially, and I mean, think about from like a casting standpoint, it's definitely a lot easier to cast. Uh, there's, there's just like less chaos on the map when it's, there's one less player. Um, from like setting up events, there's one less setup. Uh, there's one less, you know, and, and while that, that might be fine for the main stage or like a, you know, the, the Bravo stage, the, the backup main stage, it's, it comes into play when you're setting up like uh, the Challenger series, uh, the, the AM brackets. You're, you're literally, you're going, you're, you're taking off like what, 20% of, uh, of whatever you're setting up. So it's, it's definitely easier in almost every single regard. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, but, in a way, like 
you just look at to me it's just like you look at all the other esports like no one's doing 4v4 except for what like halo i think um but in all the other esports everyone's doing 5v5 so uh yeah i mean it was a tough i think it's a tough decision no matter what but ultimately i think it comes down to maps and how the game plays out all i all i know is that i hope that if you know treyarch's on board with 4v4 if the league's on board with 4v4 then the game after this game is still in that direction because this like changing and switching has got to stop uh it's just not fair to to uh, like us as players and me as a player it's like i would prefer to just stay on the same format uh in that regard every single year but um yeah i just i just hope that everybody's on the same page that if we're going 4v4 we're staying 4v4 and if there's a switch like this you know, back to five, like back to five v five. Like, I, I mean, it could happen at this point. You know, we we played two, five, we played two years, only two years, five v five. So it's uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Even before we talk about how we got to the situation with Clay leaving the Dallas Empire, there are now twelve less starting spots across the league, and we're already hearing news. Some players are leaving their teams. Players like JCap are retiring. We're already starting to hear this kind of news, right? Like, what do you what do you think the off season is going to look like, Krim? Well, um, I do. You guys, is the free agency period public? As far as I know, it's the what. The 13th, 13th or the 14th? I think, to do... I think it's like this, until the 6th to exercise the option, and then okay, uh, a week yeah. after yeah. that. Yeah. They made it, okay. they made it public. Hopefully you guys aren't, like, testing me right now, but yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah, okay. We're not, we're, this uh, is not a gotcha question. I'm our, very yeah, our, our job is, we're not trying to set you up to, like, Okay. No, no, we're not, we're not, this is okay. not a gotcha question. Yeah, but, I mean, hopefully everyone gets their teams. Like, ultimately, I, I think the best thing for, from a player's standpoint, is to get all the teams as handled as quickly as possible. Um, you know, you sign your new contracts uh, so you can get paid during the offseason because, mm. um, and that was one of the main reasons why we're like, we need to form a players union because, like, we weren't actually signing one-year deals. We were only signing one. It was either, like, a nine-month deal or, like, a, uh, what was it, like, a 21-month deal because, uh, basically, you know, if if that option is an exercise, you and you don't get on a team until Cold War starts, um, which an org can entirely do, um, it wouldn't make sense, but it's possible. Uh, you could literally be getting not you, you wouldn't be getting a salary for like three months, um, and 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 that was one of the the main concerns, which is just everyone needs to sign or get on a team sooner rather than later. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can just go back to the off season because, you know, when we're, we're when we're playing for you know eight nine months straight, uh, this this year was a little bit shorter because we started later, uh, but it's it's just healthier and you know no one wants to go through two or three months worth of you know you hear your your phone ring and you're just like paranoid out of your mind and you know mm-hmm. it's like. 
And it's like there's moments in the roster change period, and, pe- and pros never really talk about this or, 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 you know, people in other games, but it's one of the, like, sketchiest times to go through. And it, it's almost like you're afraid to go to sleep because you're afraid of waking up. That, like, you're like, oh, you know, that, like, my, I just got my spot stolen or something like that. So that's why signing quickly is, like, probably the most, it just pleases everyone. Everyone wins. Um, but yeah. So that puts um, a lot of power in, especially in a franchise league, in the owner's hands. And you brought up the union word. I was going to, but I'm grateful that you brought it up. One of the things that I've always really appreciated about Call of Duty players, uh, I think because a lot of you guys have had to do a lot on your own before there was even like an esports ecosystem or whatever. Yeah. Um, you guys already have like, and I'm not going to get super in depth with GAs because they've like, uh, people have fluctuated incredibly on, yeah, exactly. Except that Uh, one week where it showed up on the broadcast. I will say, I will say one thing. That is my, that that is my (laughs) go-to actually. That is my go-to actually. Anytime a fine or, or, (laughs) I mean, I haven't even gotten one. I don't, I don't even think they're, they're actually like. Any fines going out about talking about GAs because of that one moment? Nice. Because it, it was on the broadcast, so I don't think they. <laughs> even, because they, they, everybody knows, like one, everybody knows, like yeah. you don't use you know certain things, and uh, and then that one moment is uh, it's sort of like the saving grace for <laughs> for us as players. So they, shout out to the shout out to shout CDL out to production. Rock. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I was, no, yeah, but I mean, oh, no. honestly, sorry, sorry to cut mm-hmm. you off. I, oh. this, this is a good topic, though. Um, honestly, and I know Treyarch will be good at this, uh, but you know, in my opinion, if there was a quick method, and hopefully there is next year, of implementing like a, a change or like a you know a GA into the uh, like actual ban list quickly, then like none of this mm. it would even exist. So, anyways. Um. Well, I was gonna bring. I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, it was kind of a side note. Uh, I was gonna bring up GAs as a way that players developed this method of communication to deal with certain things in the game. Right, where you're like, we can't play this competitively. We're gonna come together in an agreement. It's honestly the closest thing I've seen to a union organized by actual players in esports um i haven't seen anything from league of legends which is was like the first game i I covered really closely yeah counter-strike actually has a union um so i think my my main question to you is like what is the because cod again cod pros seem to be uh pretty proactive when compared to a lot of other esports what is the main obstruction in in your way in terms of actually forming a legitimate players union organized by the players themselves uh probably the fact that we're all idiots uh not not all idiots (laughs) but we're all uh you know you know in call of duty because because a lot of people from different esports always say that about call of duty players like just that they they don't give a they know their worth like they know exactly like it's almost like, and I mean, I've hung out with some Dota players. I know some Counter-Strike players. 
And I mean, there's people, there's plenty of people that will just, you know, sign any contract put in front of them. And, and Call of Duty players are not like that. And I think, I think one, it's probably because we're all from like North America and we also can communicate, uh, you know, stuff that's BS like quickly. Mm. Um, like, like, for example, you know, say there's a, a new term in everyone's contract that, that, you know, people aren't liking and, and I can like tell all the other teams about that, you know, instantly and say, change, make sure you do not do this. And I think that, you know, there's, there's a couple people in the scene and I, I'd like to think that I'm probably one of them, but if I see some like bogus in, in, in the contracts like that, like I bring it up and I report it and I tell everyone about it. Um, and, and I don't know, I've, I've had times in my career where, you know, there's been like blackmailing, like I've been used and abused in terms of like contracts with that, in that regard. And I've just seen it happen left and right in almost so many different, you know, esports that it's just, for me, it just does not fly. And, uh, yeah, so the, the, the biggest, I mean, the biggest thing to, for the players union is that everyone's pretty hard headed. Uh, but there was definitely some some things that we didn't like, and so we all every everybody knew whether you know you you disliked the player, you disliked the team that like something needed to be done because this was like a you know especially after this year, um, like something definitely needs to be done because the there's just no accountability. Is this some? How, how much is this something that you want to help organize? It seems like you would logically be, if not the figurehead of this, one of them, right? So how much, how important is it for you to help establish this? I I would say it's important, obviously. Um, But for me, it's like my, I, this can never come between me and my goals. My, uh, you know, what I set out to do, uh, what I want to do, like how I want to be remembered. Um, and, And for me, it's like, this this is the right thing to do. This is a good thing to do. Effort should be put into this, but it cannot conflict with, uh, you know, my my personal ambitions, you know, or my team's ambitions. I should also say so. So now you've won three. You have said, well, I guess I got to win four now. Uh, like, how do you like? How does it feel? You are in this rarefied air that people unequivocally now consider you to be the best at something uh, but it took it took this championship i mean many I people would say it's, that it's still debatable i guess yeah, maybe, some, <laughs> yeah. It, anything is debatable yeah. but many people would say with this third championship based on the numbers alone yeah you know that that, that is a, that is a very high mountain to climb yeah um i mean i've i've always just had the like thinking method to like quickly forget um irony irony i know quickly forget tournaments uh and like like basically all like you know maybe a week maybe a couple days where i just feel like on top of the world in that regard but uh after that you know it's back to work and i completely you know erase any sort of like post-championship thought in my mind because I think that's the biggest the biggest uh I shouldn't say problem but obstacle the biggest obstacle to 
great players, good competitors, uh, is is yourself. And you can't really, like, you can't improve if you already think you can't, like, you're God's gift to the world, you know? You mm-hmm. can't, and I mean, like, I'll have moments where I like, I've, you know, I've been playing Call of Duty so long, I'll forget the fundamentals. And if, I, if I'm sitting here thinking I'm God's gift to Call of Duty or, you know, the best player in the world, then I can, like, if those uh, fundamentals, if I randomly, for, like, forget them and I'm thinking that, like, I'm not going to be able to identify those mistakes and, and be able to do something about it. So uh, that's just how I've been thinking. I... I I don't know. It's almost like it's almost weird because maybe I don't think I'm in the best, and maybe that's why I, I'm I'm staying uh, so motivated for so long um, because I I feel like there's no I, I don't want to set a limit to myself. This year to previous years, I'm just wondering because a lot of pros had difficulty with this past year how yeah. did you stay motivated and i know like you've already brought up the fact that your team was actually a team and you guys really really enjoyed like teaming yeah. together um probably stayed motivated this year just because i had it's i've said this on stream a couple of times and modern warfare had like a thousand things wrong with it a thousand little tiny things wrong with it and i think you know if if those not even a thousand say 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 half of them get fixed say 500 little things get fixed then this game would have been in my eyes incredible like uh, there's there's a lot of people uh, a lot of pros who just hated the game uh, based solely off spawns and and like that that's like an example of a little thing uh so it's like when you but when you add all those up it's like really difficult to like a game uh but personally you know, the the previous year just sort of really, really ticked me off. Um, I think maybe it was good timing that this was like that that this was like the proving year. You know, I, I was on this I was on Optic for so long and people always thought, you know, why is this guy on the team like he's trash, he's just getting carried. And then it was maybe it was good timing in a sense that that I was super motivated on a uh on a game that people disliked almost. But honestly, I think it's funny because I think a lot of the people who actually enjoyed playing the game ended up placing well and placing better throughout the year. So I, I but I mean, I, I don't know. It, it was, it was definitely a weird year because 10 out of 12 teams made the grand finals of tournaments. So I've never seen that before, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I personally thought Modern Warfare wasn't as bad as people thought it to be. Hmm. Um, I I thought the game engine, one, was incredible. Uh, I thought that this game on, like, 30 hertz, so, like, pubs, uh, literally felt better. It's like, it's like bullets would hit cleaner and hit better online than versus, like, the previous game on land, so... Uh, that's just my opinion. You can say, you know, that's BS or whatnot, but uh, that I mean, that's just how I feel. I, I feel like the game was actually could have been really good, but there's just so many things wrong with it. So, 
I have one question left. You've been very generous with your time, Krim. We really appreciate it. Uh, we haven't even got we haven't even gotten to winning the world championship and parting ways with Clayster yet. And and I do want to ask because this is the question on everybody's minds, and we really don't have a definitive reason as to why it was Clay over any of the other teammates. So as much as you're willing to tell us, like why why Clay? Um well, it was always, it was always me or Clay, because it was like put yourself in in Stroh's shoes. It was, it, it was basically you decide between not even Stroh's shoes, like the investors, the sponsors. You s decide between, you know, people who are extremely decorated, or do you decide between the future? You know, like those. The three young guns, Illy, Shotzi, and, and Hook, are essentially the future. So it, it was a, it, I mean, we've already had our internal talks, but to summarize it in that regard, that's, that's what it came down to. Um, and I mean, it sucked. Like it straight up sucked because, like, like Clay, Clay played incredible, like the whole, pretty much the whole year. And, um, you know, every, I think every single one of us had, you know, moments or mo like, like for me, I had one month that I was just terrible. And, you know, everyone on the team had those moments where they were not at the top of the game or top of their game. And it's, it is, there was no, someone said it best. It was like, whoever they decided to, you know, get rid of it would have been the wrong decision because everyone brought something to the team. Um, everyone was different in their own right and, and different in good ways. Uh, so that's, that's why everyone's so torn up about it because it's just like, it is what it is. And the only, like, I can't even blame anyone. It, even if it was like, if it was me and, and putting myself in clay shoes, like, I don't even know if I could blame them because I would I'd be blaming the people who decided to make it 5v5 in the first place or make it 4v4 next year because that's truly what like that's the only reason why this had to happen. So because I, I, I truly think like if we kept going 5v5, obviously we wouldn't have made a change. And I think that we were just getting started, honestly. Yeah, it's an unfortunate circumstance. Did you know that that was when the announcement was going to come? Like a day after you win the world title? No. I, and I, trust me, I complain. I bitched about that one because that was absurd. That was, it was honestly a joke. Because um, everyone sort of knew it already. But then that announcement like kicked everything into action. So whoever decided day after champs, I need to talk to you. All right. <laughs> less than 20. Uh, yeah, I was going to say less than 24 hours. Yeah, like, you didn't yeah. even get to celebrate for 24 hours. Yeah. Well, it's, it's literally like you got to celebrate. Like, <laughs> me and Clay had some drinks and Ray and, and Stro, and it's like, you wake up hungover, and then you see, like, oh, it's 4 Like, they already announced it. So it's like, oh. I don't even, I don't even know what to say.
Uh, my I'm last sorry. That's yeah. all I have to say. <laughs> the fact that you had to deal with that at your championship press conference, I think, is 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 quite unfair yeah. to say the least. Yep. Yep. Last question so. for you to end this on a high note. Yeah. Where does this championship win compare to your previous two? Uh, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely, ha- I would have to put it like as, even though it was more money, it just, it was online um, at the end of the day. Like I'm man enough, you know, everyone out there is like, you know, saying, making the online excuse is probably jumping for joy right now. Uh, but there's no greater feeling than winning a tournament like that with, you know, a whole bunch of people, like thousands of people watching. Um, you know, there, it, it was great. It was awesome. There was just a, a little bit of glory, but there's like nothing compares to having an event in person. Well, it was the most watched COD competitive event ever. Was it? it uh, according really? to the CDL. Yeah, that's what they, they, they sent out a whole... I did not know that either. They they sent out a whole uh, a press release about how it was the most viewed oh, event. event. Yeah, event. The yeah, most viewed, okay. the most viewed event. Yeah, event yeah, event. yeah. Because I was about to say, I think Black Ops Two Champs had like half a million viewers or something like that. Like the finals, like way back in the day, um, or something crazy like that. Well, nevertheless, uh, you're yeah. still a three-time world champion and the winningest player of all time, and you've been very gracious with your time. So thank you very much, Krim. We appreciate you. you being here on ESPN thank Esports. You guys. Thank you, guys. See you guys later. I got to... What time is it? Oh, it's dinner time. It's dinner nice. time. So you get go to get some dinner. interviews, go eat, you know. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You can... You can, you. You can yeah, you can Thanks, hang up guys. here on Discord. We're going to continue on with the show. Uh, thank you very much, Krim, for his time. And we're going to continue on here on Search, Search and Destroy, our ESPN Esports Call of Duty League program. I did, I, I, I swore I did receive an email. I'm actually going to pull it up right now because it was actually I a, probably did too. And I I'm just pretty certain it. it's, uh, yeah, it was the most watched that Call of terrible. Duty match ever. More than 330,000 peak viewership, Dallas versus Atlanta. This was an official email that CDL sent. Hmm. So that is the case. Uh, okay, so uh, a lot to unpack there from Crim's yeah. interview. He was very open and honest. Uh, we even talked about unions and gentlemen's agreements, Emily. Uh, do you think we'll see a union soon? I mean, I hope so. I think what I got from from Crim was that of all like uh, player groups, I think there's definitely uh, a you know, a want to have a union and you have players who are really used to fighting for their their own rights as much as they can. Um, I also think to his point, though, when you brought up, you're like, whoa, it sounds like something that you could lead, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's like, you know, that's going to unfortunately like directly conflict with my goals to continue as a player. Um, so I think if it if we do get a player union, it would involve having someone who does not play anymore, um, probably a former player, uh, someone that knows the scene really well to be able to organize all of the players enough so that they're doing it from a slightly more outside perspective. So it's not directly impacting their own ability to negotiate with teams and, and stuff like that. And honestly, that's understandable. And that is like, I'm, I'm so happy that he's willing to talk about it. I'm so happy that that like older veteran COD pros are willing to talk about it uh, because, you know, in some 
in some sports and esports, the the U word is like completely dirty and will get you, you know, like kind of kind of blacklisted. So mm-hmm. uh, at the very least, I'm really happy that Krim always seems like someone who's willing to use his leverage uh, to help other pros out in the scene um, and at least get these conversations started when he feels like something is unfair. Um, so that is that's always really good. And like, obviously, he's not the only one. He's one of the more vocal uh, players that that does it. But there are a whole bunch of other players who have spoken out about this, too. So hopefully that someone from from outside the scene, hopefully a former pro can, you know, come in and step in and and organize people. Because I think the the big problem here is that you have two decisions that both in a vacuum seem good, right? Return to 4v4. This is something that players and the community have wanted for a really long time. Um, with smaller maps, 4v4 just plays a lot better. Um, you know, S&D specifically, I think, is a lot better on 4v4. Uh, and you have the decision not to expand, which, again, in a vacuum, I would have looked at and been like, okay, this is understandable. Overwatch League, in my opinion, expanded way too quickly in its second season. Um, like they really overreached with how many teams they added. So I, I can understand both in a vacuum, but then either people didn't talk to each other or when you add them up, it really, what it really uh, means is that they're cost cutting because now they don't have to play, pay these 12 players that they now have to cut from rosters. And like the saddest thing is with rosters like Dallas, like A, they weren't even allowed to celebrate for more than 20, like less, they celebrated less than 24 hours before the 4v4 announcement. And then B, there was nothing wrong with their roster. Like, I even wrote this before I knew 4v4 was definitely coming. I even wrote this in our championship roundup. I was like, this is just the beginning for this roster. They've built this really well, leveraging the strengths of their veterans with the strengths of their rookie and young players. This is the perfect roster setup. And now they're like, okay, we have to cut someone. And then if you look at the roster, you got to, like, and actually, and I hate to say this, but Clayster makes sense. As silly as that sounds for somebody who's considered one of the top five best players of all time and is a three-time world champion, if you look at the rest of the roster, Krim is considered number one. So if it's going to be between Clay and Krim, simply based on history and statistics alone, Krim is probably going to win out from that regard. But then you look at the other three, and you have Hook, who's been loyal to Team Envy for several years now, and he's still only 20 years old, so he's got a whole career ahead of him. And then you have Shotzi and Illy, who are also very young. Shotzi's the reigning MVP. Illy might have had iffy moments throughout the season, but definitely stepped it up in the postseason, and also has a big future ahead of him. So... Unfortunately, like Krim said in the interview, that then lands on the two veterans. And which one do you? And 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 in talking with their coach Rambo Ray earlier today, they had to make a decision fairly fast. Like they basically, Ray said, "I avoided this conversation until the very end of championships." And even then, I took a moment to celebrate. And then at the after party, essentially, is when they really began to dive into this, is what he said. Now, think about that. So they're starting the conversation. Not No, yeah, right. They started that conversation, maybe like preliminary conversations, not knowing that hours later, 
the 4v4 announcement would happen. And then, of course, when that gets announced, how many of those players do you think are now going to be reaching out to Hastro and to Rambo and saying, am I in danger? Do I have a job? Like, that's like saying, hey, we're going to have job cuts at the company. Of course, if you're an employee there, you're going to get concerned. So this is like they made a decision very, very quickly. And not to say that the decision would have been different if they had more time to think about it. But they definitely didn't have as much time as they wanted to to weigh out all angles and still having gone to the decision they did thinking that's the, the best case scenario. And in many ways, it is as unfortunate as it is. Well, I also think that one of the, I guess, like, so first of all, the decision sucks. The fact they had to make it sucks. The fact that they made it so quick, had to make it so quickly also sucks. Um, I will say that in a way, it's good that they made the decision so quickly because now Clayster has as many options open to him as possible going into the off season, right? Um, so at the very least... Uh, this is a situation where it's not like Clay is getting cut and no team has a chance to sign him. They're not, you know, they're not holding on to any sort of option over his head or anything. Like, it's just like, okay, you now have as much time in the offseason as possible to find a team. So at the very least, like, again, low bar, but at the very least, there's that. And that's not even on, I'm not, like, blaming the Empire for anything here, by the way. This is not, um, it's just, it's a it's a poop decision all around. Uh, and it's optically. myself here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, optically, it's bad also because they're the champs and they're the first one to make a decision like this, you know? Like, it's just a, an unfortunate series of events where they don't get to celebrate. They're the first ones to announce that they're dropping a player from their roster. We've heard a couple since now, or at least announcements mm -hmm. like J-Cap retiring, Jurd uh, being released or, or, or separating right now. There's the whole confusion around the um, Marshall Twins uh, and, and what's going on there. We're tracking what their Twitter followers. Apparently, they followed the, rock <laughs> the Rocker Who did they GM follow? or something. Yeah, esports off seasons are always funny because everyone just pays attention to who follows who on Twitter. <laughs> or which tweet did you like? Oh, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm, you liked Slasher's tweet, did you? Okay, is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay, so we haven't spent much time. I mean, we we didn't. Ha uh, I mean, that that felt like ten minutes talking with Krim. There's so much to talk to him about. We didn't really even talk about the championship match itself and how dominant it was, it was and how impressive was, yeah. Dallas looked. Yeah, I mean, I so I expected this match to be a lot closer than it was. Like, I expected it to be really back and forth. Um, but the thing uh, I brought up before when I was just talking to you about this off-camera for our written pieces on it is that when these two teams met, uh, Atlanta had the head-to-head -head by, like, a pretty significant margin. Um, but even in the three O's that they had, the individual matches tended to be pretty close, like the individual maps. Um, and then additionally, uh, Dallas tended to win when it like really, really mattered, like when there was something immediately on the line for them. So for example, they won the final, the, the grand finals, right. To get their, uh, second title in Chicago, I believe, um, and then they won in the upper bracket, and then they won again in grand finals in champs. Um, and I, I also think this is kind of the end result of 
to the point I made earlier, Dallas's roster building, where they were so stubborn, even when people were saying, you know, like, when are Ilya and Chelsea going to show up? Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure about this roster. Uh, Krim and Claire washed, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there was a lot of stuff going on about this at the very beginning of the season, just because that launch weekend really hung over their heads for some reason and the community mind. Um, and they were so adamant when I talked to them in Los Angeles at their first win. They were like, this is our roster. Like, people need to shut up about this already. And this is a team that uh, by the end of the season, I think, really saw out that roster to as as much of a potential as they could within the year that they had. But like uh, to the point we made starting off this segment after Krim left, like it's so frustrating that this roster, I think, honestly, like I agree with Krim, they were just at the beginning of what we could have seen them do in 5v5. So that part really sucks. Definitely does. They also, if you're looking at the statistics of Atlanta and Dallas, they mentioned it on the broadcast as well. Atlanta had the clear season record advantage against Dallas, but Dallas won more games when it mattered the most. Tournament victories in the postseason and now including the grand final. And I asked Ray that, like, why, what was it about those games that made it different? And he said, uh, we just knew... Like they, they, Dal- he said that Dallas plays better against Atlanta when their backs are against the wall. When there's more, when there's a higher stake, they just have that next gear that Atlanta didn't seem to have against Dallas. And they were able to expose uh, D- Atlanta's flaws, and, et cetera. One thing that he pointed well, at was there was one, sorry, there was just one mm-hmm. spawn um, on a hard point. I believe it was the first hard point of the series where Dallas were ahead on points. And Atlanta was taking P4. And Dallas said, no, give them P4 entirely. Let's rotate to P5 now. Right? And they completely shifted gear. And Ray even said, you can even look at the minimap and you see all of these arrows just completely avoiding P4 and moving right to P5, getting ready there because they knew that they were far, far enough ahead that so long as they didn't lose both hard points, they would win the round. And that kind of cohesion, uh, maybe Atlanta just didn't expect that to happen from Dallas because they were definitely winning the, those strategic battles. It's less that Atlanta didn't uh, expect it and more that they just were not as cohesive of a team as Dallas was. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because the thing I was going to say is that I think Dallas proved themselves to be the smarter team in terms of their understanding of the game, especially in terms of uh, like hard point rotations to your point. Um, but then also like you saw in a lot of these matches, Atlanta first for pretty lengthy stretches of time would be either like out slaying Dallas at certain points or like on S and D how many times did a BZ open up with a first blood that then Atlanta was not able to capitalize on because and even when they had man advantage. So I think that's something also that's really pertinent to point out as to how Dallas managed to dominate, like ended up dominating this finals as much as they did was that even when Atlanta did get these advantages, they did not seem to be nearly as coordinated as Dallas was. Um, and Dallas were actually able to take back a lot of those like uneven matchups. I'm happy that uh, Ray won this championship as a coach. Uh, As you know, he had two world championship finalist Mm -hmm. appearances with Envy, wasn't able to close it out there as a player. And now 
Uh, he's able to finally get one with the Envy brand and the Dallas Empire as a coach. And he was actually curious. I mean, I he probably knew in the back of his head, but he was even saying that, I don't know if I'm going to get a ring. So I'm glad Krim said so. Yeah. I'm glad Krim, Krim did tell us off camera that uh, he's pretty certain that Ray's going to get a ring uh, as the subs will also be receiving rings. So that's that's nice to hear. So Ray, you're getting your ring. That's great. Uh, let's talk about uh, a little bit about 4v4, but also the fact that, and this is one thing we did not bring up with Krim, uh, we did report at ESPN Esports that the team will not be, uh, the league will not be expanding. So that means that 20% of starting positions in the CDL for season two will be completely eliminated. Those jobs will no longer exist, going from 5v5 to 4v4, four players per team starting and 12 teams in the league. What do you think about what season two will look like? Not even just CDL, but challengers, long-term players. What do you th what do you think will happen going into next season? So, like I said, with the separate decisions kind of equaling one, like two separate decisions that make sense in the vacuum, equaling one really terrible decision. Um, I think the the big thing that's going to happen is with challengers and the league itself there was already in my opinion kind of a talent bottleneck i guess in terms of there were obviously a lot of people in challengers that were easily good enough to be on starting lineups and there were also players that were benched that were good enough to be on starting lineups like from from league lineups um and now with fewer players and no expansion teams that bottleneck is about to get a lot like you know there's about to be more players stacked in that um at that point and i think the most frustrating thing for me we'll see how teams handle it you know when we see who's going to get signed and like this this entire off season is going to be an absolute bloodbath um but i think the the big thing that's super frustrating to me is that what we've we been talking about all year we've been talking about how good some of these rookie players were that came onto rosters right like it was actually more of a there were way more success stories than than failures in terms of rookies making their way up to teams because like a team is struggling they grabbed a rookie player and they they ended up working out really well um and that I, i'm wondering if teams are going to take chances on that now that there is going to be like so much more talent available and so much more like well-known or like named talent that you're already really familiar with. Um, so we'll see how roster construction goes, but I, uh, there's going to be a talent bottleneck in my opinion. And it's really frustrating given how many rookies we saw come onto teams and be so successful in the league. And how many teams seem to be willing to give rookie players a chance, even if they didn't have the name recognition. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting off season and season two. I've been spending the, a little bit of time actually just looking at the rosters, Emily, and just thinking like some of these rosters are really difficult yeah. like, to even think of. Like, I don't, I do not envy the job of the GM right now of any of these teams no. trying to think, uh, I guess I have to drop a player from my entire roster at some point. I mean, not, not a conversation that we uh, will necessarily have here right now, maybe for a future episode, but like, man, that is not an enviable task. Not no. whatsoever. And that, yeah. And then having to, and like, I mean, I think the, the big thing is like, ideally you wouldn't have, 
dropped anyone for some of these teams, right? Like Krim even said, like we wouldn't, we would have kept the same roster. We would just run it back. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's super tough to tell someone you're out of a job due to like, not due to performance reasons. Right. And not, not due to team chemistry reasons either, just because we need to cut someone and it makes most sense to cut you. That's terrible. Like if I, if I'm that, like, I at least like, this sounds bad, but like, I at least want it to be my performance. Like, you know, like, yeah. tell me I don't have hands because that's something I can control. And like, I can feel like I'm in control of, I can be like, oh, okay, I'll just try to be better for the next team. Or if I'm terrible communicating, I'll just try to be a better communicator for my next team. But like, in some of these cases, it really is going to be like, you're, you happen to be the odd person out because we have too many like too many SMGs or we already have a main AR. We don't need you like that kind of thing. And it's just, ugh, it's frustrating. Well, that'll do it for us here on search and destroy. Uh, a very... I feel like this always ends with just me being mad. I feel like every episode ends with me being mad. <laughs> just one episode. I wanted to end without me going. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. during the Treyarch era, who knows? Uh, it sounded at least, uh, Krim said that there was definitely, uh, something already more communication. communication. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which happy. is what exactly. It makes everyone happy. So. <laughs> uh, but it's been a crazy season. I'm sure that, uh, this will not be it for our call of duty league coverage. I'm sure we're going to have a very wild off season. Uh, so keep it locked on our Twitter, ESPN underscore esports for continued coverage at ESPN.com slash esports as well. Uh, but that's it. That's all for us here on this episode. We will catch you next time.